Welcome to this episode of Out of the Best Books, the podcast where we deep dive into classic literature and have conversations about what we've learned and discovered along the way. We love all things books and reading, and we want to share our love of the classics with you. We hope to inspire you to read along with us and join in the conversation. I'm Laura. And I'm Amity. Let's get started. This book, Laura has been a fan of it for a very long time because she read it when she was little. I read it to my kids several years ago and I remember loving it. It is so sweet. I just, I love it because I had kind of remembered the gist of it from reading it to my kids several years ago. But as I dived into it, getting ready for this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not remember all these little details. It's adorable. It's, it's all of a kind family by Sydney Taylor. And I thought maybe we could do a little bit of setup just by talking about the author for a second. Have you read about her very much? A tiny bit. I'm glad you remembered to read okay. that. I just, I mean, and I'm not awesome because anybody could go look this up. I just quickly looked up on Wikipedia, but basically she, this is her story. So in a very similar way to Louisa May Alcott writing Little Women based on her family, this all of a kind family is Sydney Taylor's family. It's even more closely, you know, her family than uh, the March family is Louisa May Alcott's family because she is Sarah. She was actually born Sarah Brenner. She was one of five sisters. She did actually have three younger brothers. She was born in 1904 in Lower East Side of New York City, which is where this little family lives. She was Jewish. Oh, and her family did come from Germany. They were they were German Jews. And so that was the first language spoken in their home. But then they did learn English and they spoke English as well as Yiddish. So they're kind of trilingual. She wrote down her life and it's actually a series of books. I didn't realize there's more than one. So she, uh, she wrote many books, Five. sort of chronicling her family and their life and their adventures. I just, I love this book because it's not edge of your seat, high adventure. It's just sweet every day. You kind of like long for that time. Yeah. I don't know. It totally little women vibes. Totally. Definitely. It's just, it's gentle. It sort of has a slow pace. Of course, you know, their life is not easy, but it's good and a lot of love in their home. And it's really wonderful too, because we don't have tons of books that give us an insight into a Jewish family and their customs and their way of life, especially in the early 20th century, you know? And so this is really neat and it's a great contribution uh, that way. So, yeah, I think as I'm reading it, I just long for like the simpleness, (laughs) (laughs) but yet, I don't know. It's like simple, but like they're Jewish. So it's not simple because they have a lot of things they have to do. Yeah. And I think that all that is so fascinating. Like all the preparations the mother has to do. And anyways, there's a lot to talk about, about Yeah, with the mom and her role, I think as a little kid. Okay. So on the front, on the front picture of the book, and I'm trying to remember the one that I read as a little kid because it wasn't like this. It was like a big hardbound book that was mm-hmm. old then. Okay, <laughs> must be old now. I mean, it's probably gone. But the little girls are like in these little blue dresses with white pinafores, and this is how my mom dressed me and my sister. Oh, we had this lady that sewed dresses for us, um, and she lived over by the high school. And I remember going there to get like fitted and stuff. And we would get like for Christmas, we get these little red 
floral print dresses with these white pinafores over them. I'm going to send you a picture of me and my sister in a, in like in a fashion show so we can post it because we'll do a post with it. Yes. Seems like that was kind of the style in the late eighties though, was like, I sure hope like you had the big puffy sleeves. Well, I never got like a custom homemade dress like that, but I remember my cousin would give me hand-me-downs and there was this store in St. George. I can't remember. It'll come to me, but they had these beautiful fancy dresses with like puffy sleeves and they were really frilly and stuff. And the really pretty ones had a pinafore and this yeah. little apron that you would tie around in. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So yeah, I, <laughs> I think it was kind of the style. I know we look back at the eighties and go, oh my. And then the kids are wearing <laughs> that stuff again. I mean, at least they don't wear, we don't wear these dresses, but they're so cute. And they're really cute. And they were great twirlers. <laughs> yes. Yes. That just brings back memories. Yeah. We wore these little dresses and I I, I can't wait to show you the pictures. Of us Fun. I'm excited. <laughs> My mom has one on her wall. So just have her send me a picture of that. I just, every chapter I just feel like is so just sweet and like delightful. And like the library lady is the first chapter. And again, going to the library every Friday afternoon and picking out one book, how simple that is, where we would go to the library and pick out 25 books and then not remember where they were and have to like figure out how to find them all to bring them back. I don't know. Just simple. I love it. Okay. So every Friday after school, the girls go to the library and they love Friday afternoons because they all get to pick something out to read for the weekend. And the Lower East Side of Manhattan is like very poor. Nobody on the Lower East Side of Manhattan owns a book, (laughs) which is amazing to me. So when it comes time to go, they can't find Sarah. When they do finally find her, she's in tears because her library book is missing. So she had loaned it to her friend and her friend had said that she'd put it back in her desk. But when she went to the desk, the book wasn't there. They'd never lost a book before. I mean, can I tell you how many times we lost a book? I've had to pay for it. Same. Oh my gosh. I've spent so much money buying books back from the library. Good grief. Yes. I'm sorry. Not ever going to turn up. So it just cracks me up. They, and she was devastated. She's like, oh, they're never going to let me check out a book again. I never want to go back there. Like maybe we could switch to a different branch. I mean, it's just the end of the world. So hoping that it, the book is actually in their house, they all kind of search the house and look for it. And they know that she's going to have to pay the money back for the book. The mom is like, I'd like to help you, but you know, we can't afford that. So you're going to have to pay back this, the money for the book. So, and I love the idea. This happens a lot in this book. It's a long, hard walk for Sarah to the library, right? She's like probably dragging her feet and like all the time in this book, they help each other. They are sweet to each other. They share. I mean, who knows if this was real? Right. I mean, this is a book that she wrote. But I know. Yeah. But it is supposed to be based on her childhood. And so this is, uh, as far as we know, the way she remembers it. Yes. So, like, I just love this. Ella put her arm around Sarah's shoulder. Even Gertie forsook her idol Charlotte and came over to Sarah. She slipped her little hand into Sarah's, her brown eyes large in sympathy. So they're just like feeling bad for her and trying to comfort her as they walk to the library. When they get there, she, Sarah even wants to run out and never come back. But the other girls like kind of urge her to get in line and they notice then that there's this pretty new library lady. That's the other thing I think is different about this time is they mention looks like yeah. pretty 
weight, like kind of a lot. Yes. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I think current books wouldn't really say all the time. Current books would definitely talk about looks, but there is a certain phrase in here that I just, I died laughing about it when they're talking about their mom and how proud they are of her. We'll talk about that. Yes. Later. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it give you a good picture. So anyway, so there's this new pretty library lady and it says she looked so fresh and clean in a crisp white shirt waist with long sleeves ending in the paper cuffs pinned tightly at the wrists her hair is light just like mine sarah said to herself and she has such little ears i think she has a kind face she reminded me of the lady in the movie uh little princess sarah her name's sarah too her yeah. friend that is like older and works at the school they're just like pretty and oh yeah yeah you know, i don't know dressed perfectly so the library lady notices the girls she notices that they're all dressed alike which they, she probably thinks is so cute in this chapter we learn that ella is the oldest she's 12 henny which is short for henrietta is 10 sarah is eight charlotte is six and gertie is four the library lady says oh you're a steps and stairs family and then they say something like, well, people sometimes call us the all of a kind family, which is such a cute name for them. That's just. Yeah, it is it's like the most adorable phrase. Like where in the world did that come from? But I, I love it. So cute. I was just listening to a podcast the other day and the guy had it was uh, Alan Osmond. He has eight boys. Oh, how do you nice. have eight kids and get all boys? That's amazing. Librarian whose name is Miss Allen looks so sad. She notices the girls look so sad. And she sees that Sarah's been crying and she tells her, well, nothing can be that bad. The girls explain that Sarah's lost her book and Sarah promises that she'll pay for it even though she can't right now. First, the library lady knows that nobody in the neighborhood can afford to pay for a book. Yeah. And then she looks up the cost and she's like, oh my gosh, it's a dollar. And she finds out that Sarah has 17 cents saved that she'd been saving for a doll. And so she tells the kids that if Sarah pays the 17 cents, that she'll let her pay a penny a, a week. From then on out until the book is paid for because they get a penny a day. They call it their after lunch money. So mm -hmm. and then she says, well, then you can still save for your doll, which you'll, so you'll have six cents a week to put towards your doll and you can get, bring me a penny. And again, the other girls are like, we want to help, too. So we're going to bring a penny every week. So cute, which cuts the time in half because, well, in a lot more times four. Or something. <laughs> yeah, because when you think about it, like, oh, a dollar, that's not much. But she only has 17 cents to put towards it. And so you understand why Miss Allen is like, oh, this is going to take a while. Like, this is a lot of money because she has 83 cents left, even at a penny a week, 83 weeks. It would take her a year and a half yeah. to pay off this $1 book. It's a lot. If the other girls contribute, it's going to cut it in like, be like 25% of the time, right? So like right, three right. months or something. So. Yeah. So sweet of them. The library lady also tells her you can continue to borrow books. So that yes. is a relief because that's what they live for. The library lady is also impressed by, quote, such thoughtful sisters. Mm -hmm. She says, isn't it nice to have a family to share your troubles? I agree. It is nice to have a family to share your troubles sometimes. <laughs> like when you're having a hard day or you, you know, can call a sister, or a mom or a daughter or whatever. And maybe that's why we have families is to. That is the ideal for sure. Anyways. And then from then on, Miss Allen watches them very closely because she's so impressed with that first interaction that she has with them. 
Now, we wore these little dresses that somebody sewed for us with pinafores. We did not wear this. Underneath the three were three petticoats, a wooly flannel one first, a simple cotton one next, both of these topped by a fancy muslin garment, which was starched to a scratchy crispness. In order to save money, Mama made those petticoats herself. Still further underneath was long woolen underwear, over which were pulled heavy knitted woolen stockings, making thin legs look like well-stuffed Frankfurters. How the girls hated these stockings. They itched so, and they never wore out. Mama knitted them herself on long needles, and she always re-knit the holes the children made. That just sounds miserable. It does. It really does. She's not specific at first about what time of the year this is. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, they just sound, that sounds awful. But in the next chapter, we find out it is November and they're in New York City. So it's cold. So all their layers are very warranted. So it probably, it may not be super comfortable. It may be itchy. It says it is itchy, but it probably is keeping them pretty warm. And I just kept, I just kept picturing like all these petticoats, like the dresses are just getting wider and wider. Yeah. And they probably do look like kind of thick little girls and they're probably just like these skinny little things. Yeah. I love this chapter so much. And I'm like, as I was reading it, I was like, I need to be wise and figure out how to make this work in my home. So this chapter is called dusting is fun. So Henny, the second daughter, and for some reason, like for about half of this book, I've thought that Henny was the eldest. And I think it's because she's the one who introduced everybody. And I kind of missed the part where she, she introduces everybody to Miss Allen. And somehow I missed the part where she said she's 10, then Ella is 12 and then on down from there. So I kind of had this idea that Henny was the the oldest. And it's like, she has such a funny attitude for an oldest child. It's not unlike my oldest child, but a lot of times I don't think that my oldest child is typical. (laughs) Like when you read about like birth order and stuff, but anyway, so Henny was supposed to dust the front room like most normal children. She's trying to get out of it because she's like, I've got something more important to do. She hadn't done her homework from the day before. And she's always like trying to catch up on homework and trying to stay ahead and kind of getting in trouble at school. And so she's like, well, Ella needs to do it. Well, Charlotte needs to do it. And her mom's like, no, they have other chores. If you're behind in your homework, you should have done that yesterday. It's too bad. You need to do your chore anyway. I think something that I love about this book is how extremely relatable it is, especially from a mother's point of view. We're over a hundred years later and I'm having the same conversations with my kids. And he's like, fine, you know, but because of her attitude, her mom's like, yeah, she's not going to do a good job. And she was really tired of her girls just doing kind of a half-hearted job on the dusting in the front room. I thought this was so funny too, because I feel like dusting is for some reason, the universally hated chore. I honestly don't mind it at all. But I remember my grandma who is like, she's 96 and a half. She's amazing. She always kept the most clean, beautifully organized, wonderful, ideal house. But she hated dusting so much. Like she was very vocal about how much she hated dusting. And when we'd go visit her, she'd be like, I will pay you to dust for me (laughs) because she hated it so much. I just think it's so funny. I'm like, am I, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm doing it completely wrong. And that's why I don't mind it. Yeah. Why is it so hated? It's like, so everybody hates it. So mama comes up with a plan. And so then she goes out and she says, 
okay, you know, if I have this game for you, you need to find 12 buttons as you're dusting. And so then all the girls are like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, it happens to be Sarah's day to dust. So she goes in and at first she's like, all right, what's going to be the best way to find it? Sort of like maybe trying to get out of the dusting and just find the buttons. And then she's like, well, actually probably the best way is just going to be to do my job the way I'm supposed to. And then I'll eventually find them. And she does. And she, she finds all the buttons and she does an extremely thorough job dusting and she enjoys it. There's a one point where she's dusting the piano and she finds a button early on and she's like, there's probably not another button hidden in here. So I could probably stop, but then bless her heart. She's like, but that wouldn't be a fair way to play the game. And so she continues on and she does the rest of the dusting. And I think she does find another button in there. Like her mom's really smart. So it totally works. Mama has a very clean front room from then on, but she's also really smart because she only does the button game for like two weeks. And then she takes the buttons away and then she just puts them out at random. And the girls will never know. That's why they have to keep doing a good job. And she won't always put the same number of buttons. And sometimes she hides a penny in there too. And so it's really cute. It's it's fun. There's a quote that I wanted to share. It says, the grumbling didn't stop completely. I don't know how it would where chores and children are <laughs> concerned, but it was not nearly so loud or so often. And in the meantime, the children were taught to be the best little housekeepers in the whole world. So I wanted to ask, would this work for your children? I don't know, but my mom did this with us. <laughs> did she? After reading this book. Yeah. She would okay. put dimes out. Okay. My mom was always trying to find ways to like make us do chores better and make it more fun, like have us not complain about it. And so this was one of the things she tried. Nothing works with my kids. Like Ronnie doesn't okay. work with them, but- so I don't know. And I'm not that creative. When I was little, one time my mom, she wanted me to clean my room and she's like, okay, go. I was kind of a little smarty. I don't know. Always trying to get out of work. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, my mom said, go in and pick up 10 things. I'll try to guess what you picked up. And I said, I have a better idea. Why don't you go in the room and pick up 10 things and I'll try to guess. What you up. <laughs> and then one time she was like, I don't remember. She was like, you could do this or you could do this. And I said, I have a better idea. Let's go get ice cream. <laughs> I think I was probably like five years old or something. But anyways, my mom was always like trying to find, figure out games for yeah. us to do our chores. Have So have you ever done that with your kids? I've tried to do games. I've Yeah, we'll often do games and we'll do things like, okay, we're going to all work together and everybody gets to guess how long it's going to take us to do this room. And whoever guesses the closest gets a prize. That's a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, it's it's not like this exactly, but I'll be like, there are some specific things in this room that you will only clean up if you have done a very thorough job. So I'll be looking for that. You know, there's like a hair in the corner, like crumb somewhere. So I'll be like, Hey, well, that's what I'm going to go check for when you're all done. When you say that you're all done, if it's, if it's still there, I'll know that you haven't done a super thorough job. Anyways, that's not really a fun game, but, but I like this idea. I might try yeah. something like it. It could be, even if we did do buttons and then they, those could be turned in for a prize. I, that, yeah. That quarters. Quarters. Yeah. Yeah. It not, in my day, it was dimes. Now I'd have to go up. <laughs> it would have to be inflation. <laughs> totally. But, um, so Audrey, 
really struggles to keep her room clean. Like she won't let me in there. And so I, she won't let me help her. I, you know, but I need to like train her on how to clean a room because anyway, so my mother-in-law and I cleaned her room on Friday while she was at school. I vacuumed up six cats. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It wasn't bad. Like it could have been worse. Like there could have been like moldy food. It could have smelled bad, whatever. It wasn't like that. But like the amount of cat hair that was in that room was insane. And I was complaining to Sydney about it. And she goes, well, it's never been cleaned. I'm like, you're right. She she won't let us in there. Mm -hmm. And so I had to just wait until I had a day. And she was gone. My mother-in-law, I asked her to help me because I thought this can take me all day. We did it in an hour and a half. She is amazing. Like, Oh, I know. I know (laughs) she is. Oh my goodness. It was, and it was fun. And like, I felt so good. And Audrey was really mad at me. I was going to ask, what was her reaction? (laughs) She cried and she's like, where's my stuff? And I'm like, it's all in there. It's all put away. We just got rid of trash. Like it's all in there, but. Anyways, she was like, she was standing in front of her room and she goes, I'm not going to yell at you because you're my mom. She's like, and I'm not going to yell at you because I had just picked her up from school because she was having a bad day. She's like, I'm not going to yell at you because you just came to the school to pick me up. I was like, thank you. Anyways. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I hope someday she will appreciate it. But her room is so nice now. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yes, we had just remodeled her room and then it never gotten cleaned. So anyways, it was beautiful. So the next chapter, chapter three, I wrote kind of wrote down the chapters in the front of the book with pages numbers for myself because there's no chapter numbers in the book. And it's confusing, but it's called rainy day surprise. The first paragraph of each of these chapters is just kind of cool. It seems to be that's like she hits a punch there or something. So the east side was not pretty. There was no grass. Grass couldn't grow very well on slate sidewalks or in cobblestone gutters. There were no flowers except those one saw in the shops of the few florists. There were no tall trees lining the streets. There were tall gas lamp posts instead. There was no running brook in which children might splash on hot summer days, but there was the East River. Its waters stretched out wide and darkly green, and it smelt of fish, ships, and garbage. That sounds great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we learned that they live in a four-room apartment, which is the whole floor of a two-story private house. And it sounds like there's like a shop downstairs that somebody else owns that we Mm -hmm. can talk about later. And then Papa has a shop in an old warehouse where the girls like to go visit him. He It's a junk shop. And the girls think that this junk shop is fascinating, which this is what she said about it. It has its own peculiar odor, damp, musty, basement-y. I remember going to what my grandma called the junk store in Portland. Mm -hmm. And yes, they have that smell. Like it's just damp and musty and like just the smell of everybody's smell together maybe or something. Right. Yeah. It makes me think of, now she does say the smell was not unpleasant. Yes. I don't know if I could say that about places that are junk shops, but her father must keep things fairly clean. It's not entirely pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me think of several years ago, we held a, a fundraiser for the young women. And I thought it would be such a good idea. And it actually, like, as far as raising money, it was. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bad idea. It was during the spring. And I was like, hey, everybody who's doing spring cleaning, you can just bring your stuff to my house. 
if you if you don't mind donating it and then we'll sell it. And my house, did you you saw my house? It was jam-packed full of crap. I mean, there were lots of people who brought lots of good stuff, so I can't say it was just crap or junk, but like everybody's stuff, entire house. And Ken was like, he was like, it smells like Goodwill in our house right now. And it did. It smelled pretty bad. Like it was a junk shop. But what is that smell? Is it just the combination of everybody's scents? I think it, I think it must be. And like, you know, there's got to be like dander and like dead skin cells and, you know, just everybody's scents and their dust and wow, who knows just everything together, but it's a common smell, you know? Yeah. That's hilarious. You're probably so happy to well, started. in fact, we found out that there was going to be a storm the weekend we were planning to do it. And we're like, okay, do we just delay for the next week? And he was like, no. Get it out. Yeah, not delay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's out of this house now. That's funny, too, because you were like going through the minimalist stage then. I know. And then we were just like completely overwhelmed with all this stuff. It was crazy. So anyway, so this is junk store that has this smell that's not entirely unpleasant. And then they have these peddlers that come in and they like kind of all gather around this small coal stove that that Papa has. The store is partitioned into different rooms. So there's a metals room, a paper room and a cloth room, which when I look at this and think about it, it's like, this is like the junk of the junk. Yeah. This isn't even like St. Vincent's kind of stuff. This is like, right. but then they do have, I mean, you'll find out later in this chapter that they have books. So I guess probably not all like this. Then they have the rags. They're sorted into the, these big bins. And sometimes the girls get to help divide them up. So the bales closed. And anyways, so one morning the girls wake up. It's raining. They say it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> That's an old, must be an old saying. Mm-hmm. So they're wondering what they should do that day. It's suggested they should go to their uh, Henny's friend's house, but she's mad at her friend, which was a hilarious little interchange between them. Their mother has them do some chores, and then they each take a turn practicing the piano for 20 minutes. Another thing that was like my childhood. And I wrote in on my notes, I think this was my mother's parenting handbook. <laughs> and it would not be a bad one. No, it's actually a really good one. Very funny. So the girls decide that they're going to go to Papa's shop to see the peddlers. I was going to look this up and I forgot. And I don't know if this is offensive, but there is a guy they named Polak. He's a large Polish man. Mm-hmm. And his pants are tied up with a rope that make them like pleated like an accordion, which is mm-hmm. a really good picture. And his jacket is held together with large safety pins because the buttons are long gone. So this is what I wanted to tell you about. And I don't know if this is offensive. So my... I have an uncle, my dad's younger brother. His name is not, this is not his name, but they've always called him Greek. Mm. It's like his name. We call him Uncle Greek. Everybody calls him Greek. And it's because my grandpa would say, are you a Greek or a Polak? And he would say, I'm a Greek. I'm a Greek. And so, oh, interesting. That's what they call okay. it. But I don't know if that's offensive. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to look it up and I forgot to, but it's just that story came to my mind when I said his name was Polak and he was Polish. Then there's Joe, who's a dark Italian. And then I love this pickle nose. And they call him that because he has this really large nose with a pickle shaped wart on the end of it. So that's another picture. Then we meet Charlie, who is different than the rest. He's handsome. He's blonde. He's blue eyed and he's younger than the others, but he's also mysterious. He seems different. Like they think he's educated, possibly came from a rich family. 
he leaves for several days and like nobody knows where he goes but then he always comes back and he's really close with papa he's also Mm -hmm. close with the family he comes and has dinner with them all the time so that all of the girls like charlie especially ella the girls are also like this little bright spot that comes into the shop and the peddlers Mm -hmm. love seeing them charlie says that he has a surprise for the children so that morning he had brought in this guy like in Manhattan was getting rid of books and he had bought them and brought them all into the shop. Tons of books, like boxes and boxes of books. The girls get to go through them and pick one out, which we read in the first chapter is like a huge deal. They've never owned a book before. Mm-hmm. I love the pictures. There's also pictures in the book. Yeah. So they're just so cute. The pictures are adorable. So Ella finds a whole set of Dickens, which I thought was wonderful for our theme (laughs) and they find a book of fairy tales and then they find the most wonderful book imaginable which is a book of paper dolls it was called the dolls that you love and papa says that they can keep all of the books that they had picked these three and so they never even owned one book but now they have 12 so they decide to go home and play library lady so they dress sarah up and have her stamp all their books and like I just, it's so cute. It's so delightful. Did you have paper dolls when you were a kid? Yes. I loved paper dolls. I know. And I've tried to find it. I just, they don't have them as available now as they used to. But I think they're such a great thing for little kids to play with. These chapters just give you this like warm, like homey feeling, which is why I think we thought that it would be good for Thanksgiving. Okay. So chapter four is also just called who cares if it's bedtime. And this is such a cute and funny chapter. So we find out that the girls have an uncle, his name is Hyman and he is, he is single. He's a really sweet guy. He'll come and eat with them. But then whenever he does, he will pay them for the meal. Not that they expect it, but he knows that they're, you know, they're a large family and they struggle. And so he'll pay them for it. And then he gives pennies to each of the girls. So he had come this specific time. He gave them pennies. And so Gertie and Charlotte decided that they're going to go to Mrs. Blumberg's candy store to get something exactly right for tonight's fun in bed. And you're like, wait, what? So they go to her candy store and they are just debating, debating. Mrs. Blumberg is sitting there. She's like, they're going to be a while. I love how she writes the different ways that people talk because she like gives them accents. You like have to read it in an accent because that's how she writes it. So they go back and forth, cherry hearts, the yellow and orange chicken, corn candy, jelly beans. And they say, we like the black jelly beans best, but you can't ask for just black because the black and white are together, which I think is really funny because I feel like now most people don't like black anything but at that point in time everybody did anyway they finally settle on what i think is a little bit disturbing but it was something that was very common back then they're called chocolate babies they're like babies chocolate that have been molded to look like babies and then you eat them (laughs) it reminds me of like a chocolate covered gummy bear i don't know why that's just yeah only the shape of a baby. baby Maybe at some point someone was like, you know, this is really morbid. So we're going to do bears instead. Maybe yeah. that's where bears came from. I don't know. Bunnies. Bear, I don't know. So they settle on these chocolate babies and then they go to Mr. Bosch's store. His store is set up right underneath 
yeah. the front room of the family's house. So that's where he is. And he only speaks Yiddish. He wears a little skull cap. He's got a big beard. He only speaks Yiddish and he wants to find out what they want. And so they just want a bag of crackers and it's the broken kind. And so that must be like the discounted crackers. Yeah. So he gives them a bag of crackers and really they're more like cookies. They have all these different flavors like lemon and chocolate and stuff, but they call them crackers. It must be like maybe thin. I, I kind of imagine them like vanilla wafers or something. Yeah. But then along with that, he throws in some locks, which is just some smoked salmon. That was such a rare treat. They, they loved it. They sat and they just gobbled that all up. And then they each had a little taste of the crackers and the chocolate babies. And they're like, okay, we better stop because we've got to save this for tonight. So they take their crackers and their candy and they hide them under their pillow to wait for bedtime. And it talks about how the girls all go to bed at the same time, regardless of age, which I completely relate to. I've never been able to do staggered bedtimes. I've never had a large enough house or disciplined enough self, I guess, to be like, all right, this is your bedtime. This is your bedtime. This is your bedtime. No, everybody goes to bed at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, like older kids, sometimes they'll, especially like older teenagers, I guess now maybe it's a little bit staggered because like, all right, kids, you're going to bed because your brother is going to be out till midnight and you're not waiting for that. You know what I'm saying? But like you would tell a kid to go to bed and they all go to bed at the same time until you're no longer telling the kid to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Like we only put Presley to bed. Like our yeah. other kids, they put them, they just decide when they're going to go to bed. So. Yes. Yeah, totally. But I love it because it says the girls actually loved bedtime because it's something that they looked forward to. I'm going to read this little part. It says bedtime was when Ella and Sarah, who slept together, built their imaginary house and decorated the beautifully rich and colorful make-believe rooms. So they sat there and just like word painted together. Bedtime was when Charlotte made up fanciful stories to tell or thought up games to play with her bedfellow Gertie. And that's what they're going to do tonight. They've got a little game that they're going to do. Bedtime was when Henny planned some special mischief she could carry on the next day in school or at home, planned all by herself because she did not like sharing a bed with anyone. So all five of the girls have the same room. There's just three different beds and Henny has her own. And mama was fine with this because she's like, first of all, she sent them all to bed in, in good time so that she would have some hours to herself. She was an amazing mother and spent so much time and care with them throughout the day. And then, but at night she was like, all right, it's time for you to go to bed so I can have some time to myself. But she didn't mind if they talked and things, they couldn't get out of bed, but they, they could talk because she's like, they're still resting their bodies and they'll go to sleep when they get tired. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. She's relaxed. So Charlotte and Gertie get into their bed. They just play this hilarious game. Their mom does come in to put flat irons into their bed. Again, it is November. It's really cold. There's not exactly heating in these places. And so she would heat up irons, which is something that goes back a long, long time. They would heat up these pans or irons, wrap them in a towel and then put them in the foot of the bed to, to keep the entire bed nice and toasty, especially their feet. So she went and brought those in and the kids were, the Charlotte and Gertie were very stealthy to keep their candy hidden while their mom was putting the flat irons in their bed. But once she was gone, then their fun began and Charlotte was in charge of the game because it was her idea. And so they just very, very slowly <laughs> ate all their candy and crackers. And it was like, all right, first we're going to eat a chocolate baby. Let's eat the head first. This is where it's like, Ugh. <laughs> now we're just going to eat the 
feet and then the rest of it. And now we're going to take the cracker and this is how we're going to eat the cracker. Now you suck on it. Now you take it back out. Now you put it back in. Now you do a circle with your mouth 10 times, then put the cracker. Just quite the process for eating every last one of their chocolate and their crackers. In the other bed, so Ella and Sarah were designing their pink room and Henny she was having some issues because we find out that she was kind of in trouble at school. Uh, let's see. She had not done her homework for several days. So teacher had given her a note that she needed her mom to sign. And she was like, how can I get my mom to sign this without realizing what it is? Nothing has changed. <laughs> Nothing has changed. It's so funny. The other thing is, I think Henny is like the typical second child. Yeah. That's why for a while I was like, she's not behaving like an oldest child. She's more like the second child. And then, yeah, finally I was like, oh, she is the second child. Explain so much. Finally, Charlotte and Gertie, they actually get really thirsty. And so they call their mom and they're like, can we have a drink of water? She brings it to them. She has no idea why until the next day when she's making up beds and she finds cracker crumbs everywhere. And the girls were like, well, we're just going to stick to candy in the future because those crackers were kind of messy. Yes. <laughs> just some candy in our beds. My question for this one is... Have you ever done anything like that? Played games in your bed or stayed up talking all night? Did you ever have to share a bed? Can you relate to any of this or your or your children at all? Well, my sister and I, I don't know, sometimes we shared rooms, sometimes we didn't, but our rooms were across the hall from each other and they were downstairs okay. and like clear, like my parents were in the back of the house upstairs and we were in the front of the house downstairs. So we were very far away from our parents, but we would put a tape recorder in the hall between our rooms and listen to what we what we listened to was called Scripture Scouts. So oh. it was like audio dramatization of the, it was like a dog and two kids discussing the scriptures. <laughs> okay. And they would cool. sing. It was songs and like it was like a act like a play, but like just the audio. And so we would do that. I don't remember really talking. One time we were living in Vancouver, Washington, um, and the kids were, we had three kids. So we had Charlie. Let's see. Charlie was probably four, five, five. Katie was three. And then Sydney was like one-ish. And they would not go to bed. And it was like Christmas time. And I was like, okay, you guys, going to bed is fun. And I got them these like special Christmas blankets and we would turn like Christmas music on and all of a sudden they were going to bed. <laughs> and I, I was like, that's it. all I had to do was tell them going to bed was fun and make it fun. And then they did it. Magic. Yeah. Cool. And we lived in an apartment in Vancouver. And so like they were all in one room because mm -hmm. it was just a two bedroom apartment. So anyways, had I known that was going to work, I'd have done it a long time ago. <laughs> Seriously. It worked forever. Oh. But anyways, how about you? For a time. I think I always shared a bed until I was like a sophomore in high school. Oh boy. Yeah. There was a short amount of time where I had my own bed, but there was a crib in there. So I had to put, get the baby to sleep. I remember spent a lot of times I think back, I'm like, what in the world? I remember spending what seemed like forever patting the back of my baby sister to get her to go to sleep. Like I just sit there and pat her and pat her and pat her and pat her. And I'm like, I was like five and then eight when I was doing that. Oh my gosh. What in the world? So there were like some periods of time where I maybe had like my own bed, but the majority of the time I was growing up, I shared a bed with my older sister, 
we would talk forever, forever. The main topic of our conversations, especially as we got a little bit older, was boys. And especially she had this monster crush on this boy. She never talked to him. But anyway, we would just talk forever about boys, especially. So that's like, yeah, when we were younger and we didn't care about boys, I don't know, we would talk about lots of things, but we did. We stayed up very late just talking. That's cute. I mean, I wish my sister, I don't know how, what was the age difference between you and her? Mm, Two years. So there's three years between me and I was oldest. And then Emily is three years younger than me. And then Amanda is four years younger than her. So like, we were kind of spread out. I didn't really have that kind of a relationship with them. We did enjoy scripture skins together. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Still to this day, we'll like break out into song. Like, (laughs) this is a good one. The ramium tum, the ramium tum. (laughs) We are climbing up to the ramium tum. (laughs) There's not room for two or three. There's only room for marvelous me. Anyways, we'll cut that out because that was pretty awful, but. No, it wasn't. That was awesome. We like. I kind of feel left out because I did not experience scripture scouts. You should try to find it. (laughs) And there was like this song that I had the kids sing. One of the kids sang at their baptism and it goes, it's called trust in the Lord. And it goes like, um, I once lost my cat and I prayed he'd come back, but he couldn't because he had died. Anyway, the chorus is like, we can trust in the Lord or something like It's just the cutest thing ever. Oh my gosh. I love it. It taught us what they was trying to teach us. Yeah. Yeah. And it stuck. It was how many years later? Oh yeah. And my sister who like doesn't go to church anymore, like her husband cracks up when she like breaks into song (laughs) and sometimes it's primary song. Sometimes it's scripture scout song. Yeah. Yeah. It's there to stay. Yes. So the next chapter is the Sabbath. And I like these chapters because we kind of get a glimpse into their like customs as the Jewish people and what they do. And it's elaborate. There was another book, which I'll bring up at the end that I read called The Hired Girl that Mm -hmm. was a girl that was hired by a Jewish family. And I liked that book, too, because it really went into like the different customs and stuff first paragraph i think really does of each chapter does a really good job of introducing what she's going to talk Mm -hmm. about but the sabbath begins friday evening at dusk and for two days mama was busy with her preparations on fridays she cleaned cooked and baked on thursday she shopped sabbath meals had to be the best of the whole week so it was most important that she shopped carefully every thursday afternoon mama went to rivington street market where prices were lower than in her neighborhood stores i just love that she has different days that she does different mm-hmm. things and it's just simple very and, systematic. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. So she decides this day, it's a little bit later than normal. She usually leaves Gertie at home with the dad and like goes to the market, but she decides she's going to take all the girls with her shopping to the market. And they're so excited to go with her, but first they want her to go meet the library lady. And this is that part that you were talking about. Where she says, they were excited for their mom to meet the library lady. They said the children were very proud of mama. Most of the other Jewish women in the neighborhood had such bumpy shapes. Their bodies looked like mattresses tied about in the middle, but not mama. She was tall and slim and held herself proudly. Her face was proud too. Like mattresses tied together in the middle. (laughs) It's like, remember that commercial, like, where like this measuring tape like sucks in the waist of, I don't know. 
Yes. Reminded me of that. Yes. What is that? Like Weight Watchers or something? Probably. <laughs> or like Jenny Craig or something. I don't know. But it just reminded me of like a mattress cinched with like a belt or something. Yeah. But they're very proud of Mama because she's beautiful and she's tall and she's thin and she's got it together. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mama kind of makes the visit short because they need to get to the market. So they take the baby carriage in case Gertie gets tired and because then they'll have a place to put all their packages, which makes me wonder what she normally does. Does she normally take yeah. the baby carriage? I don't know. Mm. Carry them. <clears throat> so there are push carts and peddlers all along the streets. And like you can only, it must be in the streets everywhere because it says you can only cross at the corners because there's just so many carts and people peddlers are shouting and trying to get everybody's attention frankfurters are called specials and garlic worst which must be like a sausage garlic sausage is called nubble mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really funny and then the owners of the shops come out into the open with the peddlers and the and the push carts and some of the peddlers don't even have push carts they like wear their stuff on them like necklaces or bracelets and they're hanging you know sausages or garlic or whatever hanging from them and then there's an old pretzel woman oh these people don't, they don't have push carts like the old pretzel woman the man selling garlic who has garlic around his neck and then the dried mushroom peddler and what's interesting to me is that each thing has a cart mm-hmm. so like i mean think about that like we go to a store and like dried mushrooms are something you don't even like think about right they're just yeah there but like there's a guy selling just dried mushrooms yeah it's crazy. So that must be why there's so many dang people there. The buyers, they haggle over the price of everything. The sellers always say, this is the perfect product and I can't sell it for any less. Everybody speaks Yiddish, which is a, a language that is a German dialect that came from Eastern Europe. That's where it came from. And mm-hmm. you know, the people that live in this area of Manhattan, that's what they speak. Their choices of food are just amazing to be. Henny ends mm-hmm. up buying a sour pickle. One time David bought a pickle at the movie theater and I was like, you're so weird. I'm impressed they had pickles at the movie theater. They're like these big pickles that you just. Wow. Okay. Now we buy, Presley and him love to get the nachos, which are Mm -hmm. like highway robbery. Oh, absolutely. Like worse than popcorn, but that's hilarious. I'm like, the movie theater has nachos. So they also have pickles. <laughs> so she buys a sour pickle with her penny and then she eats it while the other girls are just like begging for a taste. And eventually she gives them all a taste and they all share everything with each other today, even when they're buying their treats. Like she teases them by pretending like she doesn't hear them. And then she ends up giving them a bite. So the, I love this part. Then they go into mama's favorite fish store, which they don't like the smell of. And Charlotte says, I hope mama isn't getting any live fish this week. I like to see them swimming around in the bathtub, but I don't like it when Papa cleans them afterwards. You bring them home and put them in the bathtub? It makes me wonder if they're in a like water. Like they must be in Probably. like a bag of water mm, to come home. Maybe so. I picked up Presley Wednesday. David's parents watched her after school for like an hour and I picked her up and her cousin Harry was there. Her grandpa and him had mm. gone fishing and he was cleaning the fish in the sink and she was sitting on the edge of the sink just like enthralled. I bet. And I walked in and I was like, ew. <laughs> it's so gross. And she's like, I saw the fish's heart. And she's like, and I got to touch it. And like, ooh. So Ella buys half of a large sweet potato because it's warm and she thinks it's going to warm her up. And then all of the other girls get to taste that. Then they go to the chicken market where there's live chickens squawking everywhere. 
and mama plucks the chicken right there yes by the chicken and they must butcher it right there and then she plucks it yeah and there's a picture of it laying on like this yeah crate with its head like flopped over the side i think charlotte and gertie are the smart ones they buy mm-hmm. a stick of candy tangerine and candy grapes they're my kind of girls <laughs> so that doesn't sound good though candied grapes yes i think it sounds really good yes and they're on a stick and so they were a penny a stick i, I just love that you can tell me if i misunderstood this but henny kind of copies the chant of a chickpea seller is saying in Yiddish and then mama gets honor about it. And then he says, leave her alone, lady. She's helping me in my business. <laughs> it says she like pushes the cart away from her mama. And then yeah. I, that's what I didn't understand what she was doing, but she was, I think she was just trying to imitate him completely. Just like the way she was pushing the cart and is what he was doing. Yelling. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. Cause it could go either way. Like, is he, is she making fun of me? But he was like, don't yell at her. She's helping me. And then since he's so nice, this is funny because this is Henny that's doing it. But because he's so nice, Sarah is the one that decides to give him her penny. And so she ends up with a, a like a bag of chickpeas. Mama ends the trip by buying a loaf of pumpernickel bread, which sounds delightful to me. And then they start the long walk home. The next afternoon after their trip, when they go to the library, they tell the library lady everything. And then they come home to the sweet smell of fresh baked bread, a sparkling clean house, and a special tablecloth because now it's the Sabbath. And mama is saying a prayer over the candles. And this is how the Sabbath begins. Papa says a prayer over each of the children. And then he leaves for synagogue, in which they go to synagogue a lot. The girls and mama then have a quick discussion about Charlie and if he's going to come tonight for dinner. Then they kind of talk about like how they don't know where he goes when he leaves and what's happened to him. And then the family has dinner. And I loved this picture, too. When I was a kid, they're all sitting around the table reading until the candles go out because they're not allowed to light the candles after the Sabbath or during the Sabbath. So after the sun goes down, they're not allowed to. What did it say? Oh, it's just strike, strike and light. Is what I think they said. Right. So there could be no light struck on the Sabbath. Yeah. Isn't that just the cutest? Like, yeah, I love that picture. Yes. The days I've never experienced. But I also, I know. I also love how Papa comes home from synagogue. He first pronounces the prayer and praise of his wife for her fine Sabbath preparations. Then he must say a prayer of Thanksgiving for the Sabbath. Another short prayer is said over the loaves. And then mama and the children recite the prayer, thanking God for giving them this bread. So there's lots of ritual, right? And many, many prayers. But I love that because there's this consistency and continuity and doing all these things together. And it brings unity as well. Yeah. Because they're frequently praying together and over each other. And this next chapter is super short. Yeah. In fact, I thought, well, I'll just quickly very quickly summarize. Basically, it's Papa's birthday and the girls had never bought him anything before. And so this year they were like, we're going to put our pennies together and buy him something. Sarah was a little hesitant because she was like, well, I've got to keep paying for my library book. But they're like, like, it'll work out because she had also been saving pennies in her piggy bank. And so she's like, it's fine. I'll just give the library lady five pennies, whatever. So every day when they get their after lunch penny and they give all of it to Ella. Uh, And I thought this was funny too, because Henny at first was like, I have to go like a whole week without buying any candy. I don't think I can do that. But then she also gives (laughs) in. And and so they all give their pennies to Ella. So after a week, they have 35 cents saved up to go buy a present for their dad. And they feel like that is 
a small fortune. When you look at the costs of things, the things that they're able to buy with a penny, you go, oh, actually like 35 cents, that's a decent amount. Yeah. So they go to the little store. It talks about how they go on Sunday because in the Jewish community, the Sabbath is on Saturday. And so on Sunday, their stores are open where in most other places around town, things are not open, but their stores are. And so they go into Mr. Pincus's bargain store. It says Mr. Pincus, this is what we were talking about before a little bit, was a short man with what Gertie called a stomach what sticks out. <laughs> he had not a single hair on his head, but he grew plenty of hair on his face to make up for that lack. And he tried really hard to be helpful. And he has quite the accent. I, it's really cute. So he's trying desperately to help them find something that will fit in their budget. They look get lots of different things. He makes lots of suggestions. The girls will find things. Everybody will shut it down. They're like, no. And then finally they come across the perfect thing. And it's this little pink and gold cup and saucer. It says father on it. I remember as a kid, when I thought about things that maybe I could get for my mom or for my dad for their birthday or mother's Christmas, or whatever. And I would see something with mom or dad or something like that. I usually couldn't find things with their names because they have kind of unusual names. I just thought that is the most beautiful thing. And that's what I want to get for them. So they have the same mindset. Mr. Pinkett actually gives them a discount because he knows how much they want to get this for their dad. And so they get this little cup and saucer, take it home, wrap it up, put it at his place at the table. And then they're just so anxious for him to get home from work. He comes home from work. He's very exhausted. He's very stressed. He works really hard. He doesn't make a lot of money. So he comes to the table, they all sit down for dinner and he's like, oh, what's this? You know, and mama says, a present from your daughters. Again, like they'd never done anything like that for him before. So he's pleasantly surprised. And so he slowly opens it. And I have to kind of read this part because he stares at his present and doesn't say a word. So the children are just like, oh no, what's wrong? And here's what Papa is thinking. Because when I first read this, I was like, Oh, he's speechless because he just loves it so much or whatever. Well, at the same time, me, I'm like, why would they buy him a cup? But anyway, yeah. so he was thinking so much money spent on a fancy cup and saucer that I could just as well do without. Haven't we enough cups and saucers in the house now? I have to work so hard to make enough for the necessary things. And here they spend money on such a luxury. What if the amount they spent wouldn't help much? It's little spendings like this that add up. And so from a father's standpoint, who's like working so hard to try to provide for his family, he's like, this money could have spent been spent on so many other things. I think that most parents can relate to that feeling. So I just think that it's really interesting that the author chose to make that very real. Like it, it is it's very real. I don't think you always find that in a book, especially a children's book. But then he looks up at their faces and he's like, must he deny them even this pleasure of giving them their small allowance for a present for him? So it's one of those things that he realizes it has to be about people over things. It's his daughters. They, what was the principle? They gave up their allowance for it. Like who cares what the thing is they had saved and they'd thought about it and they sacrificed for this gift. And that's the important thing. So Ella says, perhaps we should have bought something more useful. And he smiles, his wide, gentle smile at his daughters. No, no, it's wonderful. I've been wanting just such a cup and saucer for years. How did you ever come to think of it? I couldn't tell you right off how happy it made me because I was speechless with delight. 
It says, mama, pour me a cup of coffee right now. I can't wait to use my beautiful present. And it says again, the room flowed over with sunshine and happiness. Papa suddenly found himself covered over with five laughing daughters who tried to hug and kiss him all at the same time. And I just found that so touching and sweet because he knew what was most important. And in that moment, it came through. So, yeah, at first he's like, oh, oh my gosh. And like, I don't need this or whatever. But then he's like, oh, that's not what this is about. Right. Right. Yeah, so sweet. It just makes you think of like the things you bought your, I don't know, your relatives, <laughs> right? As a kid, like they used to have this thing at our elementary school day. It was like a Santa's workshop and you could go and buy gifts for people. And I remember buying my grandpa this like little screwdriver set, which he was probably like, I mean, I'm sure it was a piece of junk, right? <laughs> and like, but it meant so much to me to give him something. Yes, exactly. When and you think died. about it so hard. Yes. When my grandpa died, though, we found he was he was raised in the depression, right? And so like he didn't want it. He saved everything. We found all these gifts that we had bought him and like nice stuff in the box, never used. David bought all the men in our family, like these multi-tools ones that were like, he loved his and yeah, we found that. And David's like, oh, I guess now I have a multi-tool. <laughs> no, those it. are awesome. Well, the depression created some great people. <laughs> well, it sure did. And also some interesting habits for sure. Yes. Right. You know, we were like not allowed to flush the toilet. Oh, wow. Because like they lived in, they had a well. We were hoping we'd find money stashed because he used to stash money, but (laughs) nobody ever found any money. Like, oh, wow. Maybe it's buried somewhere. Yeah. He stashed it very well. Okay. So the last chapter is called Purim Play or Purim, maybe Purim Play. So the girls wake up excited for Purim Day Mm -hmm. and Henny's jumping up and down on the bed. Her mom kind of gets mad at her for jumping on the bed. She's like, I don't think the springs on the mattress like that very much. And this is what Purim Day is. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago in the land of Persia, a wicked man named Haman had cast lots for a day on which to hang all the Jews. This was how the name of Purim first came into being, for it means the Feast of Lots. Why all the gladness then? Because Haman had failed to accomplish this evil deed. He himself was hanged on the very gallows which he had caused to be built for the Jews. So I don't know how happy that is. but Well, but it's also really, I mean, they're celebrating the story of Esther, too, and her saving her people I, i'm surprised they didn't bring that up but when they come out of the room they find mama who's been preparing breakfast she has an apron on covered in prunes so they will be going to synagogue with their father right after breakfast they hurry through breakfast but they can smell all the treats that mom is making which they can't eat yet so there's these Haman tashin which are like these triangular shaped cakes filled with poppy seeds or prunes that must be what she's working on and mm-hmm. she's made lots of them but she says they can't have them until after lunch and then the kids ask if she's going to make Tiglick. I don't know. Who knows how you say that? Yeah, but these are. That's how I said it was just Tiglick. But Tiglick. These are fried balls of dough soaked in honey. So they will be ready after they get back from synagogue. They love going to synagogue with their father. I wonder if they just get to go on Purim Day or maybe just special occasions because it doesn't sound like they get to go all the time. But the kids on this day are allowed to be louder than usual. And nobody says anything. They just let them at the synagogue they have like this man that stands on a pedestal and reads the torah it says the reading was not always done by the same member of the congregation but no matter who was the chosen one 
The pattern of reading remained the same. He would chant, sometimes loudly, sometimes softly, in a sing-song manner. His body would be swaying forward and back or from side to front in rhythm with his words. And then from two long rows of hardened wood, wooden benches, the men would join their leader in prayer and song. On important holidays, when women came to, they would sit at the back, separated from the menfolk by drawn curtain. On such occasions, higher-pitched intonings mingled with the male chantings so that the room was filled with a constant hum of sound. I just thought that was so interesting that the women, and I always, I wondered that until we got to this point, like mama's always home making preparations. She mm -hmm. doesn't get to go and participate in the synagogue with her husband. And when she does, she's behind a curtain and separated yeah. from them. Yeah. I've never been to a synagogue, but my kids have because they had to for school. Oh yeah. It's probably different now. You think? I don't know. I'm not super convinced that it's different just because Jewish tradition is very strong and okay. has been the same for thousands of years. So I don't know. It might be, but I would be actually be a little bit surprised if it was. If different. it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just anyway, it's different that the women are like behind a curtain. So yeah, I wonder why why their mother never went with them, but it sounds like she does on special occasions. When they get home, mama had been working on these Purim baskets mm -hmm. that are ready for the kids. And I thought, oh, the kids are going to get like Easter baskets or something. No. <laughs> they get to enjoy those desserts that she had been making that morning. And then the girls are going to deliver these baskets, which are filled with fruits, nuts, cakes, candy, and they have a white cloth over them. And so the girls are supposed to take these baskets to their friends and family around. They were planning to take a basket to the library lady. And so they're like, did you make one for Miss Allen? And She's like, well, not yet. I'll make her a special one tomorrow because the library is not open on Sundays. And so you can take it to her tomorrow. And then the girls get to dress in costumes, which sounded hilarious. The clothes are too big for them. Some of them are dressed like men. Some of them dress like their older siblings. It's very funny. And I think it's meant to be funny. It sounded like it because everywhere they go, the people just like kind of laugh at them. So the first stop, they go to their Aunt Rebecca's house, which is Tanta Rivka's, and she lives in a flat. When the girls get to the door, they say a chant, which is, today is Purim, tomorrow no more. Give me a penny and show me the door. They give them the basket, and then they all get a penny, which is yeah, I mean, cute. Because they're dressed in costume, and their Uncle Charles says, who are these people? Do we know them? It's <laughs> so cute that they're really cute. teasing them. It's really cute. Yeah, so then when they get home, Mama is giving a Purim party, and all of the relatives are and Charlie are there, so even the relatives that they delivered the baskets to. And then we find out that Charlie is always welcome there, and that Ella thinks he is quite special. The girls give, a and party. also that he is not Jewish, right? He's a he's a I Gentile. Yeah, I don't think that they had said that up to this point, but yes, he is. He's not Jewish. Yes, but he comes and celebrates with them anyway. Yes, which is very sweet. The girls give a performance where they all sang and Ella directed an orchestra consisting of a frying pan and a spatula, a big spoon and a soup pot, two lids for cymbals and a washboard bass file. And then Ella has a beautiful voice. And so she closes it with a mournful Jewish melody and everyone claps and cheers and loves it. And then they all end with eating the treats. This family just seems so centered on family. Yeah. You know, and like, just so like the girls doing this little, I don't know, we used to do little plays and performances for my parents and whoever would watch us. Yeah. One year my parents went away and we, we made a video for them 
with our like huge camcorder, which yes. I would hate to watch now. <laughs> but. Oh, that's so cute. One thing I wanted to pull out really quickly is just case. Okay, so again, you know, Ella, I can just see this because I remember being 12 and I also watch lots of other 12 year old girls, 12, 13. And it really is when they start to notice that boys are different in a good way, you know, um, and especially somebody who's more mature. So Charlie is there and Ella sings and Charlie comes over to Ella and takes both of her hands in his. He said, Ella, that's a fine voice. You sound just like an opera singer. Ella blushed furiously and her heart pound. Charlie was holding her hands. Charlie was saying something wonderful about her. <laughs> it's so cute. And it's so funny. And it's also just so real. So, of course, Charlie is he's not thinking that way at all. He's yeah. Extremely like he's it's like an older brother type of deal. But I when I read that, I mean, I just think of my my husband and how like he one time we went to a dance. I just is in love with him from the time I was five, six years old. And he asked me to dance twice. Uh And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm dancing with him. I'm dancing with him. It just made my month. Totally. <laughs> just reminded me of him. Yeah. It's just like, what do I say? I can't believe it. I can't believe he's talking to me. Yeah. Was- and you can go on that forever. Well, it's like this this boy that my sister had a crush on. It was so funny because she didn't even have anything like him complimenting her or asking her to dance. It was like he would look her way for half a second. And he looked she- at me. Yeah. And if I happen to see something like that, oh man, I would have to retell that story so many times. Well, I did not think he liked me like ever. <laughs> I was just excited that he like, no, you know, yeah, noticed I was a person. Yeah. <laughs> Who, I mean, had I known then that I was going to marry him, I couldn't <laughs> have like lived. I couldn't have waited. I couldn't have been like, yeah, I totally. Don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love your story so much. It's kind of the best. It is. It's Um, like, who does that happen to? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nobody. That's why it's so cool. I feel so lucky. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any time to read? So I actually like blasted through a book yesterday because my kids and husband were gone for several hours. And so I was cleaning, cleaning. And then I would, and so I was listening to this book and then I would turn it off so I could read. But anyway, so I went through this rotation. So I got through this book that was actually, I think it was actually pretty long. So I'm, I had made some progress on it earlier in the week, but not a whole lot. I was having one of my like, okay, I just need something very simple because I feel like my life is very heavy and hard right now. It's called Finders Keepers by Natalie Borelli. She's got lots of books. Have you ever read any by her? Mm-mm. Okay. So it was supposed to be just this like psychological thing. And so it was actually like pretty good. There was some language in it, but it's this girl who like, she has been told that she's a psychopath. She's been told that she killed the lady and that she's super disturbed. And so she's like living her life as if that's how she is, but she's trying to be better and not do those things anymore. And all of a sudden this book is published and she's like, wait, that's my journal. She had like, as a 13 year old girl, she like kept this journal of her. Again, it's kind of like what we're talking about before. As a 13 year old girl, she had a crush on one of her 
school teachers. So she's like writing all about that. She, she lost her laptop. Somebody had gotten it and thought it was like so great. And so they claimed it as their own and published it as a book. And she's worried that there's like incriminating stuff in there. Anyways, it's this whole thing. It's actually like, it's kind of a gripping story. It, it was, yeah, it was pretty good. But like I said, there is some language in it. So I can't like fully recommend, but it's interesting how it all turns out. There's quite a few twists and turns throughout it. So yeah, it was, it was good, but it's just a lot of funny things. Can you imagine somebody getting hold of your journal from middle school? Like, oh my gosh, I did. I, I wish I was better at keeping a journal now. I'm not, but when I was like in elementary, middle and high school, I kept a journal. I've got a big box full of my journals, but I would die. I, I've even thought, you know, if I got cancer and knew that I was going to die, I would probably go through and burn all my journals. I don't know if I want anybody reading those. No kidding. Imagine somebody getting hold of it and then publishing it. <laughs> and you find like, it and you're like, oh, uh, wait a second. This is mine. But also, I think it's funny. Like I said, I remember being 12. I see other girls that way. And like you suddenly start noticing boys. I know in middle school, there were a lot of girls that had crushes on the teachers. That was something I could never fathom. I was like, they're old. And now I find out they were like 24, 20. They weren't really old. But to me, I was like, why? I I don't think as a middle schooler, I would have even noticed like men. Mm -hmm. But like as a teenage, like a 16, 17 year old, I did. But middle school? Yeah. No way. I kind of feel like even as a teenager, I didn't really. I think the first time like was like, oh, there's an older man who's very attractive. And by older, it was totally Orlando Bloom in the Lord of the Rings. And he was like 25. You know? So, fun. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my kids think like da- their dad's friend is attractive and we're always like, Ooh. oh, really? And yeah. is he like David's age? Yes. Okay. Okay. But it's like, Bleh. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> something about him is emulating younger people. Huh? So gross. Yeah. The thing is, I think that it's pretty normal. It's pretty yeah. normal. I just not something I personally can relate to. I just don't remember thinking that at all. I was like, I oh. think at that age, I just wanted somebody who wasn't a teenage boy because yeah, well, so there's that dumb. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. Well, I am reading oh. Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. I had heard mixed reviews about it. Like some people loved it. Some people thought it was boring. I like her writing. For me, who typically needs like a lot of stuff happening in a book, I don't with her. I don't know. I guess her topics are interesting enough. You know, she wrote the Dutch house house. and I loved it. And a lot of people didn't like it because nothing really happens. It's very character driven. And that's kind of what this book is about. It's basically this older lady that is owns a cherry orchard and she's sitting in the cherry orchard with her three grown daughters telling them her story. She was in a production of Our Town with this guy and had like a summer fling with this guy who ended up being a huge actor. And so the girls are like, tell us about it. Tell us about it. And she's like, well, if I'm going to tell you about it, I have to tell you the whole story, you know? And they're kind of like, well, get to the part about him, get to the part about him. And then she's like, I'm telling you the whole story. And so they're sitting there like trying to wait for this, like the story of this huge actor who he wasn't a huge actor then, but she'd had like a a fling with him. So I like it. It's, it's narrated by Meryl Streep. 
So somehow Ann Patchett gets like very famous people to. Yeah. Anyways, I like it. I checked out Our Town from the library. So I want to watch that too, along with it, just to like get an idea of what the story of Our Town is. Like Ann Patchett. Maybe I should read some of her older stuff. This is only my second book of hers that I've read. But if you like her, try it, I guess. I did enjoy Dutch House, especially narrated by Tom Hanks. Yes. Very, very good. He was a very fun narrator. Yeah. Now, Meryl Streep doesn't have as as distinctive of a voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have known it was her. Yeah, that's true. That's it just true. sounds like a, a regular narrator, but I thought it was kind of interesting that she is the narrator. Okay, so next week we're going to finish this book, All of a Kind Family. And I yes. think it's like, so yeah, we're about halfway. The second half is actually quite a bit shorter than the... Okay, so, and what she's written is... All of a Kind Family, which is this book, More All of a Kind Family, All of a Kind Family Downtown, All of a Kind Family Uptown, and Ella of All of a Kind Family. I love that. And I it made me want to find all of them, but I I don't feel like I've seen any others besides um, this one. We used to check out the More of All of a Kind Family and then the Uptown mm. and Downtown. Okay. But I've never heard of Ella of All of a Kind Family. So okay. I have to look because I'd yeah. like to get them. We're so happy you joined us for this episode. We hope you will join us next week as we discuss the second half of All of a Kind Family by Sydney Taylor. If you have suggestions for books we should read and discuss, please email us at thebestbookspodcast at gmail.com. We would love it if you would leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. We want to inspire and encourage as many people as we can to read out of the best books. As Thoreau says, read the best books first or you may not have a chance to read them at all. See you next week.